This is a 3CR community radio podcast. In Psychedelia is broadcast every Sunday from 2pm. For more info on anything you hear in the show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Psychedelia program page. Good afternoon, welcome to the program, which is in Psychedelia, and we are on 3CR Community Radio, broadcast out of the studios in Fitzroy, uh, in a still lockdown Melbourne, but hey, maybe good news next week, we wait and see. Uh, thank you to Freedom of Species, uh, if you are listening to us live, that is the program before us. If you're listening to the podcast, you can find out information about uh, Freedom of Species and all the other shows that are on 3CR at the website, 3cr.org.au, which is also where you can subscribe to podcasts, also via Spotify and iTunes. Uh, connect with other programs and also donate, help keep community radio on air. It's been a rough year for a lot of us. I've um, been speaking to a lot of other 3CR programmers about um, uh, just how to, uh, you know, how to make radio in your lounge room or your <laughs> whatever room you happen to be doing that in. Uh, on the on the show, on this show, we talk about uh, everything that surrounds drug issues, um, whether it's uh, policy, whether it's um, the sort of cultural issues that, uh, uh, that that go on, whether it's um, science, the latest science, or whether it's um, the news, what's happening in the news, and that's what we're going to be tracking in just a tick. Um, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and also on YouTube, and you might be watching uh, some of this on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find some other bits and pieces. Uh, little bits of interviews and things like that. And also, we um, connect with a bunch of other YouTube channels that you might be interested in uh, from Australia and around the world on drug issues, drug policy, science, etc. Uh, my name is Nick, and uh, on the program this afternoon, we have... Uh, well, Ash is, uh, Ash is sitting there. Um, Ash, how are you going? Uh, I'm good, yep. I'm uh, recording behind the wheel of my car today, so we all have to adapt. <laughs> <laughs> adapt, survive, uh, and also Jack Ravel, who is the editor of uh, Drugs Wrap. Uh, Drugs Wrap is a uh, weekly newsletter um, that uh, you can subscribe to at drugswrap.substack.com. Jack, how are you going? Yeah, good. Um, been a good week, pretty busy, but... Um yeah, happy it's Friday, to be fair. Had a camping trip, uh, trip recently as well. Near the Victorian border. Ugh. Yeah, last week. <laughs> I didn't didn't do the drug trap last week. Went down to Snowy Mountains. Uh, went camping down there. And it was, yeah, right on the border with, with Victoria. It's that national park there. So they had a lot of police patrols and blockades and stuff. It was pretty, pretty hectic. Uh, it's an amazing place. I've never been down to the snow that area. My, my girlfriend's actually never seen the snow. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty fun time. Was, was there snow? There was snow, yeah. Um, we went up Redbow. Uh, went walking up that way and towards Kosciuszko. We didn't actually make it to the top of Kosciuszko. I think it was going to be about six hours in, in total walking. But we made it pretty close. And, yeah, loads of snow, like chucking snowballs, making snowmen and all that kind of stuff. It, um, I'm just, I've seen some pictures of um, of the Kosciuszko peak and... Um, from my understanding, it's the it's the tallest pile of rocks among a uh, <laughs> a bunch of other pile of rocks. It's not quite as impressive as the actual peak um, that you would kind of hope. Like you want something that's like momentous, and it's like, oh yeah, it's the biggest pile of rocks, and you know, over there is not quite as big. <laughs> so you probably got yeah. close enough. <laughs> we didn't uh, see the appeal of going all the way, but ah, oh, there it is. We're kind of happy with that. <laughs> 
Uh, also, if you're on Twitter, you can follow uh, Drugs Rap uh, at Drugs Rap is the Twitter handle, uh, and you can follow along there. So jumping into the first story this week from The Guardian, the overlooked parts of the 2020 Australian budget you should know about. That's the big news this week. So what was overlooked, Jack? Yeah, so obviously big news this week, um, details of the Liberal government in the next few years and, and how they're going to attempt to deal with the pandemic, um, the recession that's going to be caused out of that. Um, a lot of stories, you know, about this top top tax reductions for, for high earners and, you know, how much debt we're in, but there's not been a huge amount for alcohol and other drug services, which, you know, might be expected from, from this government. What they have put forward as kind of a headline policy is this, this amount of money they're investing into mental health services, which is obviously a positive thing, but at the minute there's so many people that can't access mental health services and particularly people um, looking to access, you know, alcohol and other drug related services that it's it's not it's not something that's going to deal with that problem systemically so slight silver lining there but a lot of people kind of missing out really yeah, I think there was some uh, commentary from uh, the Australian uh, Injecting and Illicit Drug Users League as well. I might grab that up uh, for a bit later, but uh, crossing across now to uh, the Sydney Criminal Lawyers, our friends at the Sydney Criminal Lawyers. Um, good cop wins battle against unfair dismissal. Yeah, so this is a story about a police officer who's based in Newtown in, in Sydney, um, and he was given a hair follicle test in 2015, which detected minute amounts of MDMA and meth in his in his hair, and that was used as ground for dismissal back in 2017. Um, but the hair follicle test is something that's pretty widely discredited as being um, not reliable. You know, you, this guy came into contact with drugs as part of his duties. Um, he's a gay officer, and he claimed that he was being targeted by this cult of homophobia in, in the police um, institution there. Uh, he's now, I think it's now his third case where he was cleared. They said it was unfair dismissal. And then been, um, it's been an appeal that's happened twice by the police who spent half a million trying to justify their decision. Um, and it just kind of shows that, you know, this technological testing and the ways that we're treating drugs in this way is often used to, to persecute people in, in pretty unfair ways. Yeah, I think it um, also gives us a, a light into maybe some of the wider problems with uh, with workplace drug testing. Um, where I mean, I suppose it, police uh, might be one of the workplaces where people might be a little bit more like, well, we should be doing more impairment testing. But hair follicle testing is anything but impairment. It's something you can detect uh, drug use or drug exposure uh, up to I think six months. I think some of them, some of the substances, it's like a ridiculously long time, um, and uh, you just kind of go, well, what's the worth here what are we actually you know doing uh from the age i, I think beyond the b- beyond the hair follicle testing nick i think it also tells us something about um cultural problems in the new south wales police force i, I remember this story from years ago this has been going on for a couple of years and um you know beyond just the, the drug testing side of things i believe that, alle- that there were a series of allegations around um, homophobic comments and you know a range of other things that were happening with that officer yeah that's right as well they they were accusing him of having loose morals and things like this which is you know pretty upsetting stuff to hear uh, in the age uh, drugs worth 38 million dollars hidden in shipment of sex toys bound for Melbourne <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, obviously a bit of an eye-catching headline here. Uh, I thought it was worth chucking in. Um, essentially, Port of Force sees 21 boxes of these sex toys coming in at customs at Melbourne. Um, they were packaged up, you know, all the leaflets and stuff to go with them, but they x-rayed them and, and it showed that they were actually packages of cocaine and, and methamphetamine. Uh, and that was a package coming from Britain via Singapore. Um, yeah, so it's just stopping stopping those drugs coming in. Obviously, not sure how much of a difference that's going to make, but I just thought it was kind of funny to, to chuck that one in there. Yeah, more, um, I, I guess I, I like to refer to these um, these stories as seizure porn, and uh, I think it's uh, highly appropriate in this case, uh, seizure porn, seizing the um, sex toys. Uh, the police love to brag about uh, their uh, drug seizures, but as we've heard from many experts, it doesn't appear to reduce demand or apparently reduce supply, even though they say, hey, look, we've got all this out of the market. Um, people still manage to find drugs, so there's something else uh, missing from that puzzle. Uh, budget report, federal government uh, increases medicinal cannabis funding by $1.7 million, uh, and this is from cannabis.com.au. Yeah, so the, obviously the budget announcement's big news. Um, this week, the government have committed an extra $1.7 million to the Office of Drug Control for the explicit um, administration of medical cannabis research, cultivation, and <clears throat> the manufacturing regulation scheme. So it's just showing that the government is committed in the ways in which cannabis is going to make money for them, you know, in a taxable sense, they're pretty happy to go ahead and do that and put lots of money towards that. Um, you know, n not really moving in, in terms of decriminalization or anything else like that, but in terms of they can make some money, they're pretty happy to, to keep um, pushing that. Um, Ash, do you have any uh, any um, uh, notes on the uh, medical cannabis industry that you've heard in the uh, annals of politics Um, not really, although there is a bill on the list from Fiona Patton from the Reason Party to um, reform the drug driving laws so that people with a, a valid um, prescription for medical cannabis would be treated the same as any other prescription medicine. So, the, you know, it would, it would basically carve out that cohort of people um, from being subjected to the the presence-based test of the um, drug driving regime. Yeah, that's, that's actually been sitting there for a while. Is it that um, a lot of bills have been slowed down in Parliament during COVID? Yeah, so what's happened, Parliament has, um, like, the whole sitting schedule has been interrupted during the pandemic. So there was a period where Parliament wasn't sitting, and then there's another period where they've it's kind of been a truncated sitting week. Um, Fiona does have a slot up next week, um, and I'm I'm not sure yet whether the medical cannabis, cannabis bill or the school chaplaincy reform bill is um, on the agenda. Um, but yes, there's there's particularly for the crossbench, there's they each have two slots per year where they can introduce a bill or a motion, and. Um, a lot of them have, have kind of missed their slot, so there'll be there'll be some period, there'll be some mechanism for catch up, which um, I think will be introducing Friday sittings, so that um, you know people can catch up on their their kind of policy and, and legislative agendas. Uh, overseas now to um, US election time, because gosh, 
It's less than a month away now, and we will see the US election, and then a couple of months till that transition of power, which uh, seems to be an interesting uh, thing to keep an eye on at the moment. This is from MarijuanaMoment.net. Harris and Pence clash on marijuana and drug enforcement during VP debates. Yeah, so VP debate was yesterday. Um, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris went head-to-head in a debate that was, you know, actually pretty reasonable in terms of what you could expect. Much more reasonable, I think, than than last week's debate between Trump and Biden, which was just like an absolute nightmare, really. Watching that is pretty much unwatchable. Um, the pair, these two argued over a lot of different things, but, you know, cannabis and drug enforcement was one of the issues that was brought up. Um, the moderator brought up uh, Breonna Taylor's death and whether, you know, each justified or justice was really done in that case. A lot of people linking the death of Brianna Taylor and this like ongoing um, you know, lack of sort of valuing of the lives of black people in, in the drug drug war. And and Mike Pence basically just immediately turned the conversation towards, well, I think the police are doing a great job and, and didn't really engage much with that debate. But um, Kamala Harris came out and said that if her and Biden are elected, they would decriminalize marijuana and they would expunge the records of those who've been convicted of anything to do with those drugs. Um, so, you know, we, we'll see how this goes. Obviously, we'll see how the debate goes, uh, the election goes but um yeah just a bit of an update on on what the both candidates are thinking there yeah fr- frustrating how um how polarized the debate is as well like i won't get into the in, into the depths of it but just um just the like as you said pence um wouldn't even sort of address the issue it's just that uh that that line that he believes is going to um you know sit well with the supporters and probably will sit well with the supporters but it's such a it, it means that the problem you never discuss the problem it's just like oh i know what my you know what my supporters want and i'm going to say that and nothing else and it's just uh, <laughs> empty debating that's um, where uh, over to New Zealand and New Zealand in fact an election hey, is that next weekend gosh it must be very soon uh, news next talk weekend. it is newstalkzb.co.nz with uh, Chloe Swarbrick cannabis referendum is about legal framework not whether you like it Right, so the New Zealand cannabis referendum is done in conjunction with the with the New Zealand election, which is happening next Saturday. Um, I just picked this story because um, Chloe Swarbrick's like a pretty good spokesperson for drug reform. She's a Green Party MP over in New Zealand. Uh, she spent four hours on this talkback radio station discussing the proposal, and uh, you know, essentially her argument was, this is not a referendum about whether you personally like cannabis or think it's good or bad. It's about getting better legislation around it and not giving control over the supply of cannabis to to criminals and, and to drug gangs and things like that, making just the whole use of, of cannabis a lot safer and a lot easier and better for people. Um, but there's a few stories in there. Um, you know, many people are claiming that the, the Nope to Dope campaign, which is obviously the Vote No campaign, they're running this kind of fear and misinformation campaign trying to sway undecided voters, um, which potentially might be working. So there was one poll that was done a couple of weeks ago which said that the yes side is actually trailing at about 35%. Um, other polls are showing it's a more sort of 50-50 split. Um, a lot of people are saying it's really too close to call, but it's... It's looking like, you know, it could be really down to the wire here. We're not really sure which way it's going to happen. It'd be, I think it'd be a big shame if that didn't go through because it's a, it's a huge positive change, I think, for New Zealand. And just, uh, just a final point on that, um, there was another leaders debate between Jacinda Ardern and Judith Collins, who's the opposition leader, and Jacinda Ardern 
admitted to or, or just said that yeah she's smoked cannabis in the past and you know not a big deal and and she didn't really go into details about that but i thought it was an interesting thing to to know yeah, um, I, I was actually sort of surprised that that was still a, um, a sort of headline thing because didn't we have, um, God, wasn't it in the 90s with uh, Bill Clinton? Didn't he say, yep, uh, inhaled, but didn't, no, what was it? Oh, I can't remember. Smoked Some but didn't inhale. Yeah, he smoked, smoked but he didn't inhale. Uh, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's the kind of thing that politicians have been doing for, for a long time and, um, you know, we, we know that um, one in three Australians have tried cannabis, one in three. So you would expect that our representatives in Parliament should probably also reflect um, the general population. So one in three politicians have probably smoked cannabis at some point. Uh, a lot of them won't say it, um, but I'm fairly sure that it's fairly reflective in Parliament as well here in Australia. Over in New Zealand, I suspect the numbers are pretty similar. I haven't looked at them, but um, I, I don't think they'd be that different. <laughs> uh, and finally, to the UK, uh, and uh, before I head to this one, um, if you want to listen back to our uh, show from last weekend, uh, that will be available uh, on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. Follow the links to our, our program page for the podcast or on iTunes or Spotify, uh, and you can hear our chat with uh, the team from peopleanddancefloors.com uh, who are telling stories about... Um telling stories, finding stories, they're academics looking uh, at the relationship between people and and this sort of culture uh, of the culture that's built around um, dance floors, whether it's nightclubs, festivals, uh, raves, uh, whatever. Um, and, you know, the, a lot of interesting things have been going on with the, uh, with the COVID crisis. Uh, and we head to the UK now uh, from the independent.co.uk. Lack of nightclubs and 10pm curfew may have contributed to students suspected drug deaths, experts says. And this is about a big story that happened this week. Uh, Jack, let's hear about it. Right, so um, in the UK, students have gone back to university kind of probably against best practice considering that the level of coronavirus infection over there are absolutely skyrocketing, but that's what they've done. Students have all gone back to university. Um, four young people aged between 18 and 21 have died over there after taking suspected MDMA and ketamine as well. Um, Obviously, not sure about the testing of that, not sure exactly what they did take. Um, but Fiona Meesham, who's the co-founder of the UK arm reduction charity, The Loop, um, they do pill testing at festivals and clubs if they're allowed as well. Um, she's basically said that this was obviously going to happen. Take students back to halls, back to you know university accommodation. You shut down all the nightclubs. You shut down all the pubs. You know these people are they want to interact with each other. They want to party, and they're going to be taking drugs in in a less safe environment because they're not going to have those even the, just the minor harm reduction um, measures that they have in clubs and you know, in pubs and stuff. You know, just like having door staff or having places where paramedics might be around and you know having having bar staff who might make the call to the ambulance when maybe a friend wouldn't because they'd be worried about being caught with drugs or whatever so it's kind of you know government policy failures there to to address that issue and you know more 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 young people have died tragically so a bit of a sad story yeah um i might also um 
put up on the screen, so you'll have to watch uh, the YouTube playback if you want to have a look at this. But the Loop uh, have put out some good resources uh, on MDMA and uh, ketamine, which are two of the um, very popular drugs uh, in the UK, especially among sort of party scenes. Um, and you can get those resources uh, if you just follow them uh, on Twitter. Um, I think it's at the Loop UK, or yeah, I think it's at the Loop UK. But I'll, I'll double check that. Uh, but as always, you can find us on Twitter as well. You can also follow Drugs Wrap, which is at Drugs Wrap, um, and you can subscribe uh, to the newsletter. And the newsletter is uh, drugswrap.substack.com, uh, and you will get that in your inbox every week on Friday mornings. That's uh, generally the time it comes in, and keep you up to date uh, with what's going on in the news. Uh, Jack Ravel is the editor there. Uh, Jack, thank you very much for keeping us uh, up to date with what's going on in drug news. Cool. Thanks very much. Uh, Ash, uh, any any uh, final words on, on the news from this week or anything that you've uh, spotted that you wanted to uh, uh, make sure that we, we see? Um, uh, anything I've spotted, I... Um Nothing pops to mind. My brain has all been politics um, this week. But I think the the debate uh, around cannabis legalization in New Zealand and the, um, the comments that Jack spoke to about it being a debate that's not about whether you like cannabis or not. It's about whether you want the market controlled by organized crime or whether you want it... Um, you know, to have government oversight, I think that's the right framing for the debate. I'm, I'm really pleased to see that, the you know, they're at least attempting to have the discussion on those terms. Uh, we have actually been uh, in contact with our, our Kiwi mates and we'll, we'll uh, follow them, them up and we might be able to get them on next weekend. But because we are pre-recording uh, at the moment because we can't get into the studio, still locked down, um, it would probably be the day before <laughs> the, the election that we'd uh, chat to them. So we might um, might do a day before, might do a day after. Um, just want to finally uh, end on aodmediawatch.com.au. Uh, piece just came out. Uh, please like me, politicians, Facebook and AOD stigma and this was about uh, some Facebook posts uh, from the Cranbourne leader which is um, one of the uh, Murdoch uh, sort of sub-metro papers uh, which you, you can pick up in your, your local areas. Um, generally you know you've got the classifieds, you've got the story about nice barbecue for the scouts and you've also got stigmatising uh, stories on people who um, have potential addiction problems so uh, aodmediawatch.com.au if you want to uh, read about what's been going on and why stigma Although, for, I don't know, those uh, perpetrating it, it might feel good at the time because you feel like you're, you know, I don't know, punching down, making fun of people that have problems that they can't control. I don't know why that feels good for people, but um, maybe just learn a little bit, find out why it's not good. I'm sure you listening or watching probably don't think like that, but maybe if you have a friend, a relative, uh, somebody that is thinking like that, uh, this might be a good article to send them just to uh, understand uh, those issues a little bit. And we will have um, uh, AOD Media Watch uh, folks uh, on in the future. But thank you all. Uh, This is In Psychedelia. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here. And we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period, but things will sound a bit different.
Some programmers will present their shows on the phone and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe and be kind to each other. Are you a person with a disability? If you are an Australian citizen, a permanent resident or a recently accepted refugee or humanitarian entrant under the age of 65, you are able to apply for access to the National Disability Insurance Scheme. If you have met access requirements, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, also known as the NDIS, will help you access the government-funded supports you need. To find out more, visit the NDIS website or go to your nearest NDIS partner office and ask for a language interpreter to help you. NIDA and NDIA are sponsors of this radio station. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. This is Encyclopedia on 3CR radio, uh, 855 AM, 3cr.org.au. Uh, this is Ash, and this afternoon we're speaking with Jesse, who is the new coordinator for the DanceWise team at Harm Reduction Victoria. Congratulations on the new role and welcome to the show. Thank you. How very exciting. So um, Jesse has taken on that program after being a founding coordinator at the DanceWise New South Wales program when they kicked off a similar program up there and has about a decade's worth of experience in the doof scene, coordinating volunteers, performing as a musician, all-round good person from the party scene. Jesse, you've come on board at an interesting time. Um, DanceWise is an organization that primarily works in outdoor spaces, doing um, outreach and education uh, in the the festival and and live music space. And then COVID's hit. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I thought it'd be a good idea to get you on to explain how harm reduction organizations like DanceWise have been adapting. So what happened um, back in March in the program when, when COVID hit? Well, it's interesting, you know, there'd already been a bunch of fires over the summer, so change was sort of already in the air and everyone's um, everyone was getting used to adapting very quickly, I think. And then this happened and it kind of happened at the end of our natural high season anyway, when we would normally go into hibernation and, and go into training. So in terms of uh, we, we only um, – lost out on a few festivals that lost out meaning you know we couldn't attend because they had been cancelled or postponed so that's a shame but we haven't i don't think we fully felt what what the 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 impact of it yet because summer's just about to approach when is when which is our high season so uh it's been it's been a challenge for the outlet that these spaces are for a lot of our volunteers in our community we haven't had that space to connect um and to share but It's been amazing because our team is predominantly young, savvy, intelligent, uh, well-connected folk who have pivoted with this opportunity. So we're looking at different ways to reach out and different ways to communicate and educate one another and use online platforms to sort of um, push our messages a little bit further afield rather than just our usual catch-all or catchment areas of festivals themselves. So I think... It's been an opportunity for us to reconfigure how we do things. And I think uh, it's been wholly positive at this point. We have definitely recognised that with lockdown, um, there's a few things that I've recognised in myself in the broader community, which is that with lockdown and higher anxiety in the community, um, 
the need for, the, for harm reduction education is perhaps higher than ever and the need for support for folks is higher than ever but how do we go about delivering that you know and we've looked to facebook and online media as probably the key thing um, where people are going to keep up to date with news and to keep in touch with their communities so a big thing that i'm really proud of our team that our team has achieved this year is we had a campaign called looking after our mates um that age-old bloody phrase uh, and we really delved into what that means and what it means to ground yourself and what it means to address your anxieties and what it means to address your internal stigmas and, and judgments about yourself or others um, especially those who might use substances or um, alcohol and and other other things to cope or to party or to play um, and so we had a lot of uh, connection with this campaign online which was amazing um, I think because lots of people were doom scrolling a lot and spending a lot more time on Facebook and Instagram. So yeah, we've engaged a couple of designers, animators from within the community to push these messages that we really feel are important um, and messages that we wanted to instill before festivals came back again. It's this sort of, this break has allowed us all to take a big collective breath and go, okay, what's really important to us and how are we going to instill these things that we believe in that we haven't necessarily had time to communicate more broadly how are we going to instill these things for the next season whatever it shows up to be and so our online campaigns and online training have been quite successful um, we've been connecting more with interstate organizations with and, and looking into their uh their projects that they've dreamed up in this same time so uh quinn comes to mind they've got a really exciting project coming up um, so we've been collaborating with them. Quinn is the Queensland uh, Drug User Org, so another harm reduction outfit, uh, similar to Harm Reduction Victoria. They're a sister organisation up there in Brisbane. And, yeah, it's really fantastic what they're about to come out with, so I'm, I, I won't spoil the uh, the surprise, but it's it's everyone's looking at an opportunity to pivot and to use online media and our and our intuition with online media to our advantage at the moment and i think that's one of the few benefits of this downtime is is to go okay well we're used to doing it face to face we can't do it right now so how are we going to engage and how are we going to engage in a way that's not fear-based and news focused and covid focused and like the same dreary messaging day to day you know how can we give a bit of sunshine give a bit of like thought to our messaging that's fun and playful and engaging in a different way because I don't know about you but I'm really sick of seeing the news I'm really sick of hearing about COVID it's been nothing but COVID every day for eight months like ugh, enough I understand yeah. it's important to stay up to date but yeah it's it can be a bit much sometimes so that's been really fun um, and it's given a couple of people within the community some projects to do which is again engaging it, it takes the mind away from from the doom and gloom so yeah that's what we've been doing we've been looking at um elevating these media formats that we sort of take for granted and using them for for good <laughs> do you think it's provided a good opportunity to um maybe slow down and network more with sister orgs like quinn yeah definitely i mean often the case with dancewise in high season especially is that we're there's so much to do and 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 there's there's so many festivals going on where we're needed that we can't often pay attention to to as much collaboration as we might like. I mean, Dancewise Vic does it amazingly. It was one of the most collaborative orgs I think I've ever worked with um, across the sector. But 
uh, yeah, we can look further afield now and we can sort of combine our brains to, to, to zoom out a little bit instead of just looking at the state because everyone's online, we can look at, okay, our message may be received by those in Queensland or those in Tassie or those in New South Wales. It's not just our community that we're talking to now. It's um, a little broader than that. And that's awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's been a blessing, I think, in disguise. But as I said, it's been quiet season anyway. So we've had to do something to keep ourselves busy. <laughs> Yeah. And um, how have you managed the challenge of continuing to engage with the team who, who might be used to being there in person or seeing you at an event? It's a challenge. I hate Zoom. I hate like trying to look somebody in the eyes on Zoom, which you can never quite figure out. I hate too much input coming from screens. I think it can be really jarring. So that's been a challenge. Um, and our team is so used to vibing off each other's energy and, you know, being affectionate or cuddling or like sharing laughter in person and learnings in person that that's been a challenge. But I've seen people really open up and trust, um, trust the team for what it is, even though we're on computer now. Like it's, I see a lot of the the warm natures coming out. I'm seeing a lot of support from team members one to another, where before that might have been more private um, and not within my field of vision. I'm seeing, uh, you know, we, we did a few creative things to keep our team um, busy earlier on, like thinking about how we can re-envision the space. So we've got, we had a couple of keen beans making amazing bunting and sewing together like wall hangings and, and, and that sort of thing, which is really ref- the idea, is to refresh the space, give it a give it a glow up. But um, that's been also keeping them busy. A couple of them learned how to sew in lockdown, which is a new thing. That's fun. Um, and then, of course, there's the other side of things, which is extreme isolation and and folks who don't deal well um, through computer screens. So we're looking at other ways to uh, help empower them as well through phone chats or texts or little little piecemeal pieces of engagement where it's not. Um, you don't feel too pressured to engage, you know, or you you don't have the stop-start nature of Zoom conversations, the muting and the interruptions, and it's very jarring. Like, so we've been looking at how to do it a little differently. Um, yeah, I can't say for others, but I've been looking at um, sending notes and postcards and cakes in the mail and like snail mail is coming back with a vengeance and so are packages like OzPost has just had a renaissance I reckon <laughs> and everyone's just like super excited for Posty to arrive again I'm like it's it's been a really cute thing so I've been trying to to jump on that bandwagon a little bit as well and and help out people I know or friends in the team or whoever I feel connected with a little when I know that they're struggling with some art or some donuts or whatever and it's that's helped I love sugar sugar's a good one <laughs> yeah um, and so with the, with the online education that you've created, is that more of a general thing for like, this is general advice for, for how to look after your mates with some harm reduction tips thrown in there, or is there stuff that's being more specific to the kinds of risks that might happen, you know, in COVID where people might be using drugs alone or using different substances in different I- ways? I see a crossover. So a lot of it's, um, a lot of it. So you'll see there's four different parts to that campaign, looking after your mates. The first is how to ground yourself, which is focusing on sort of anxiety techniques or techniques to quell anxiety or sensory overload, which can also be, we also use for trip sitting all the time. Um, And there's a lot of crossover with them. And I think 
that basically came from the fact that folks are still going to be partying with their housemates at home during this time and maybe they haven't known how to access these skills. Maybe they do need it broken down for them in a way where they might have relied on DanceWise in the past and now they can't necessarily. So um, for me, very simply saying look after your mates is not enough. I need to know what that entails and that entails things like grounding yourself or changing the environment or hydrating or eating well or prepping this space and all of those things to really ensure the best possible outcome and knowing when to call um you know when to call emergency services if things get uh to the pointy end but for the first one that was uh, mostly anxiety and mindfulness focus the second one was mostly uh stigma and discrimination focus which self-stigma stigma in the community um are very real harms in terms of drug use and i think that that's because everyone's staying home uh, during covid we've all started thinking of the things that are really get us riled up or we're thinking of the things that we struggle with or we're thinking of our own limitations a bit and some of us are trying to address them, some of us are trying to drown them, some of us are trying to smoke them away, all of which are fine ways to deal if that's your way. But um, to, to look at stigma and discrimination was really important for us because we see, we do see it a lot within the party scene and it's uh, it's it's something that... it. It burns a hole, you know? It burns a hole in the trust of people and, and the, the bond of people when there's stigmatizing beliefs or behaviors or language. So that was a really important one for us to cover. And we delved a little bit into how uh, GHB is stigmatized in the community as well, often because of a misunderstanding of how it presents in overdose or how it is used or how it can be safely, more safely used. So um, there's a lot of crossover in terms of how to care, but also how to think about these things because that feeds into caring, you know. Um, the third one was about uh, finding floor scores and, and how to, what to do when you find drugs on the ground. I mean, I know that that is something that people have done and, you know, there are, there are, there's no way that you can tell from smell, taste or touch or look what a substance is, you know, and I think in this day and age, we need to be talking about that more. I've heard way too many conversations from people in the community being, being absolutely certain that's definitely Coke, that's definitely K, and going into it with full confidence without any of the strategies to sort of test it or look further or seek support. So is that, is that one of the main pieces of advice there, to use a reagent kit to, to that was test one of them. it? Yeah. yeah, that was one of them. But to also research the substances that you think that it is. Like if you find something it's all well and good to have a, a belief in what you think it is, but if you're intending to take something, regardless of whether you found it or you bought it from a trusted source or whatever, the, the state of the drug market in Australia being what it is, you know, underground and um, unregulated means that we're never entirely sure, right? So you should always do your research. You should always find out as many tips and tricks you can about taste or presentation or um, contraindication. And if you do have access to a pill testing kit, absolutely. It's not the best that we've got at the moment in Australia, but it's better than nothing. And there's a whole different range of reagents that you can use for different substances. So that was a big one for us. And the final part of the campaign was how to party with purpose. So, you know, whether you're at home, whether you're in the park, whether you're in a festival, like it's, there's no safety safety net anymore for folks because at festivals, you've got a structure of safety of emergency management of fire management, of, of you know, uh, dance wires and all the rest. And when you're at home, all you've got are ambos um, if things go really, really pointy. And to be honest, 
they're an amazing resource that we have, but what happens when it's a mental health presentation or a psychological presentation and something that um, might not immediately be noticed as an overdose, you know, um, or recognised as an overdose? What happens then? You know, people might um, resist calling an ambulance because of the stigmas surrounding drug use and because of the legality of it. So the last one in terms of parting with purpose really looks at a holistic view of what can you do to really give yourself the best possible chance of looking after yourself, you know, in terms of sensory overload, in terms of hydration, pill testing, in terms of vitamins and what you put into your body, in terms of like sunscreen protection, like really minor self-care things as well as really, really good harm reduction strategies. So that was, um, yeah, one of my favorites. That was kind of, um, could you think of it as advice on how to create your own safety net? Yeah, I think so. And this this all, one of the this biggest things that I think needs to happen with the safety net that we create for ourselves is to trust that when things aren't going well, we have to escalate it and we have to push onto emergency services and ask for their help. We, we, we can't necessarily carry everything ourselves and we shouldn't. Um, not to mention the fact that when we're in altered states, we might... Um, uh, might not correctly assess a situation. So the biggest part of a safety net is always to have emergency services in the back of your mind as a trusted resource. But in, in terms of like giving yourself the best chance of having a positive experience, this is what harm reduction is all about. It's, it's preemptive care, it's preemptive education so that it doesn't necessarily have to get to that pointy end where things are chaotic and out of control and scary. You know, there are little things that you can do along the way to protect against a negative outcome or an adverse reaction. So, yeah, it's it's creating your own safety net and teaching each other the skills to have that because we need that now and we need that more than ever. I think COVID has, in a strange way, connected us to our local communities more than before. Summer looks pretty grim. <laughs> um, you know, we're here in October in Melbourne. We're still in a pretty hard lockdown. The the planning for large scale events, you know, like it usually takes twelve months. Like once <clears throat> once the events ended, everyone takes a little bit of a break, and then they start planning for the following year. So it's likely that um, you know at least many of the major events that Dancewise might usually attend over summer might not be happening this year. So what does the I mean, do you have a sense of like what the summer might look like? Are you hearing whispers from people that normally organize <laughs> events about their alternative plans and what's Dancewise planning for the summer look like at this stage? Yeah, I mean, we have heard whispers. I mean, there's been a very loud and very public whisper from Esoteric, which was more like a declaration of intent, I think. And I really hope that goes ahead. I hope everything pulls in. So they've, I appreciate that they're planning as though it's going to go ahead to give it the best chance that it can, you know, despite the challenges. And uh, yeah, there's a few whispers like that. I can say that we have had a um, few requests for DanceWise come in, which again, maybe um, just getting everything in place in case they can go ahead to, to prepare. But uh, we do intend to provide our services this summer anyway. So we know that just because festivals aren't happening, this doesn't mean people won't be using drugs.
bit more of that interview, but unfortunately the uh, end of the file was corrupted. The kind of things we have to deal with at the moment when we're working out of home-built studios. That was Ash Blackwell speaking with Jesse Ray from DanceWise. DanceWise.org.au if you want to find out more about what they get up to or how you can uh, join the DanceWise team. There is also a DanceWise chapter in New South Wales if you happen to be listening uh, out of New South Wales. DanceWise.org.au. Find them on social media and check out uh, their campaigns as well. Support those. And the music in the background there from Dub Array, Australian-based band. If you want to find more from them, dubarray.com. And they're also on YouTube. This is In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and podcast, iTunes, Spotify and at the website. Councils around the country will put on (laughs) Disability Day events and quite a few of them will not include people of colour, First Nations people and black people. So I think it's pretty cool Mm. that everyone you'll hear on air today will be a person of colour and the majority of them will be people with disabilities as well. I think when we were preparing for this show and for this day, we wanted to talk about how we could explain the concept of power from the margins and why it is that we've chosen to focus on black people, indigenous people and people of colour. And I think, you know, in one word, it's intersectionality. It's the fact that people experience forms of oppression, different forms of oppression at the same time. And most people don't realise that you can't have racial justice without disability justice and vice versa. 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. of the Earth Food Co-op is open. Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter. Three CR Digital live in Melbourne on Three CR eight five five AM and streaming at three cr.org.au. This is in psychedelia. Do you support policies, programs, and practices that aim to educate people on how drugs work, what risks there may be, and how to avoid them? Do you believe that responses to drug use should be based on evidence-informed approaches on how to work with the reality of drug use in Australia? Join Harm Reduction Australia at harmreductionaustralia.org.au. Support a better future for drug policy in Australia. Australia.org.au. The voice there of drug policy luminary, Dr. Alex Wodak, 
And now I'm going to play a short bit from you uh, from the uh, YouTube channel of uh, Stephanie Thewson from the Progressive Public Health, Health Alliance. Uh, they've got some interesting uh, things coming up soon. Uh, won't get into them now because it's not quite released, I don't think. Uh, but in the future, we will be talking about a campaign uh, from the Pro- uh, Progressive Public Health Alliance. Uh, this particular video is from the Drug and Alcohol Services Australia unit located in Alice Springs, uh, covering uh, Abor- uh, Aboriginal youth engagement and methamphetamine, the much maligned drug, but as with all drugs, stigma often overshadows truth. So we're going to get a little bit more of an honest insight. This is uh, Welcome to Dasa. Okay. All right, guys. My name's Jordan Lockerbie, and I work here at Dasa in Central Australia, Alice Springs. I'm a youth outreach worker, case manager. Um, I work specifically with uh, Indigenous youth up to the age of 25. Hi, everyone. My name is Dion Fuamaku. I am a caseworker here at DASA in the methamphetamine outreach team. I work at DASA, the Drug and Alcohol Services Australia, for my wonderful CEO, Carol Taylor. Um, I worked in the residential rehab facility for two two years, two and a half years. Got to understand the culture of this town, the culture of Aboriginal people in the desert mob started to see the increase in clients coming through the rehab in the early years of being at DASA, which was much more for ICE. The drug ICE or methamphetamine is pretty much everywhere now here in Alice Springs. I know that it's everywhere in Australia as well. My younger brother had fallen victim to the addiction of methamphetamine and it kind of drove me to make changes, you know, for people, you know, in my brother's situation. I thought, you know, I looked around the community and thought back to my hometown too, and I thought, you know, there's not really a lot being done about this this addiction. It's, it's there, but there's not a whole lot actually being done, well, that I could see. Ice is an insidious drug. It is one of the most addictive drugs on the planet, if not the most addictive. And it is the scourge of our country. What I see every day is people severely disabled by this addiction. Families completely unsupported by this addiction. Courts not understanding or being open-minded about this addiction. I started using drugs at the age of 13, but predominantly I didn't use meth till late in life. I was 23, and I've basically been battling with that for 26 years. I think um, a couple of traumas. Uh, I lost my parents when I was quite young. Um, I know I served in the Australian Regular Army for four years, and when I left, I was a bit lost. Um, became a father, and um, things become a bit overwhelming, and all of a sudden I was introduced to this drug that made me feel good. I could go and communicate with people, talk to girls and all that sort of stuff. And um, But little did I know that it would consume a quarter of my life. It was difficult, um, but manageable. Um, thanks to DASA and uh, I was certainly at Mate DASA um, giving me the tools. So um, I think the hardest part was just um, moving on, like letting you know, let the past go. You hang on to that sort of stuff, then you, 
One day, my CEO identified a gap in treatments for this town that we needed a methamphetamine treatment program. Me and Danny Lloyd, um, it's a two-man team, but we also work collaboratively with with the other services that are under the same umbrella with DASA um, and also other services around. I don't think you can get, um, you can be successful without collaboration. It's a big thing of mine personally with um, with service delivery of any type, how the, the program works. I think it's looking outside the box is the reason why we get a lot of really good outcomes and make a lot of breakthroughs with people. And when I say look outside the box, I, I say like, you know, not just not just helping one person, uh, recognizing that they they come with a package, especially our Indigenous Australians as well. Australians, I mean, our Indigenous Australians are, are very. They've got a lot of extended family, so understanding that, being culturally aware and being open, being open to share. And sometimes it means outside of work hours, which is another blessing working here at DASA is our CEO is very supportive um, and gives us the autonomy to look outside the box. I've never seen it done before, just the case of intense case management in an outreach setting, you know, and just, just the way they, they did their holistic work, which just, it was mind-blowing. It, it was fabulous to be a part of, actually. And I learned a lot and I've seen the clients took a lot from it too. And I've seen people, you know, really deep in addiction, you know, walked out of the addiction, you know, with these case managers, which it was really, really cool to, to, to see. A service in the community that can go and support people on a daily and weekly basis while they are trying to abstain or after abstinence recover. It is vital. Rehab is fine, but after the 10, 12, eight weeks, whatever, you still have to walk out of the controlled environment into your own environment where all of the triggers and the temptations are there. And so without having an outreach service to transition through from rehab and continue to be supported by, people will more often than not lapse and possibly relapse back to their old behavior patterns. The, the numbers here are very high. Like the wait list is huge. So if you just think in a simple sense, there's so many people in Central Australia that are struggling with ice, methamphetamine addiction. And those of us that work in the space and that have the knowledge understand that, you know, addiction comes with so many layers, you know? Like nobody wakes up and, and decides to be an addict. There's so many people with trauma here and everywhere, you know, throughout Australia. So the numbers and the need is very high. The, the outcomes that are happening with only two people, there's only so much we can do. So, but that's the passion that, that we have in this team about it. But that also reflects the need for, for more resources more staff, you know, and just more programs around support for those who are addicted, not just on meth, but, you know, 
whether it's alcohol or, or cannabis or anything? I think the biggest crippling factor in the whole of the NT is just, just the lack of resource. And, you know, the stigma is definitely a big one too. And, you know, I've seen a, a lot of, not taken away from other organisations or workers, but there's still there's the stigma and the fear of, you know, how do we deal with it? How do we help people through this addiction? You know, it's, it's been such light shed on alcohol for so long and this, this new drug's just kind of popped up, you know, and, and I think, you know, the way I like to view addiction is addiction's addiction, habits are habits. So I don't really have that fear and, you know, and I think going back to the, the remoteness, yeah, again, it's just, it's just a, a lack of resources, definitely a lack of funding. Our brothers and sisters across the water in New Zealand and what they are trying to roll out to fight the same drug is working. And it frustrates me that such a forward-thinking country such as Australia would not see the benefits of more open-minded practices with this addiction. I've never encountered anywhere, like I've been um, in the States, but um, I've never encountered a program like the one here with the Methamphetamine Outreach Program. Um, it's been a godsend, um, you know, through doing the program with DASA and their support. I live in their independent living program, so, um, you know, where I can uh, fend for myself and it's quite um, drug-free, alcohol-free, safe environment. Um, support I get is second to none, it's, it's great. I mean, um, I wouldn't be where I was without that's what I believe. Yep. And um, bearing in mind, obviously, that what we're doing here is just between really two of us mm. in this program, what would your message be if you were talking to either the people that fund this program or people that would be interested to see this program grow and even maybe use a similar program in interstate? What would your message be as someone that accesses it as a service? Do it. Give it, give, give it a go. I mean, what have you got to lose? Um, you know, there's people out there that want to stop the cycle. And um, I think um, we all deserve a chance, a second chance in life to um, make a change. And that there, some uh, information, stories from DASA, the Drug and Alcohol Services Australia service located in Alice Springs. Uh, if that's uh, something you want to find out more about, head to DASA, dasa.org.au, uh, where you can uh, learn about what their services offer and the kind of uh, information that they can provide, dasa.org.au. And while you're flickering around on the internet, also check out the Progressive Public Health Alliance. We'll be hearing some more news from them soon. Their website, progressivepublichealth.com.au. This is in Psychedelia. Uh, we are nearly finished up for this Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're going to hopefully uh, have some more announcements next weekend and we may be getting back into the uh, into the 3CR studios, but that's where we're broadcast out of today uh, in Fitzroy, being recorded at a home studio, <laughs> as happens at the moment. If you want to follow our podcast, you can do so on iTunes or Spotify or just head to the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links to the uh, program page where you'll find uh, more information about us, including our Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, if you do want to help out uh, with what we do, um, if you want to talk drugs, if you seek to educate better uh, educate people better on how drugs work and the policies around them, get in touch with us. Queering the Air is up next on 3CR. We'll see you next week. This is in Psychedelia. Psychedelia.
For more information, visit Encycadelia.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Encycadelia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, Direct Line provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. And Psychedelia will be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast of Encyclopedia. Produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.